Welcome to Just Dads Reading Books, a podcast about judging your kids for what they read. This is produced by Matt Martins and EJ Sanders. Music by Russian Baths. Oh, hi, and welcome to Just Dad's Reading Books. I'm here with my friend EJ. And I'm here with my friend Matt. Boy, I'm so excited for today, EJ. I'm so <laughs> extremely excited for today. Yeah, this is, uh, this is a bit of a step in the young adult direction, but <laughs> maybe fully grown adult direction. Um, We've really we... come of age today, <laughs> you and I, as we teen girls. and we decided... Yeah. <laughs> We decided that it was time to grow up. Uh, Today, we are going to talk about The Woman I Kept to Myself by mm-hmm. Julia Alvarez. It yeah. was, So here's what happened. EJ and I were about to go on a trip to Portland uh, together. We were going to fly to Portland. I was mm-hmm. already at a library, and I was like, yeah. let me just see if I can find something that maybe both of us like can read on the plane, read on the, yeah, on yeah, the trip. Something or light. Something light. And w- I found myself in the young adult nonfiction section of the library. And I was like, well, I, we haven't really done any like proper nonfiction. We did uh, Sophie Blackall, who kind of does children's book nonfiction, as it were. Sophie Blackall. Uh, and that was really fun. But we hadn't done any young adult nonfiction. <laughs> and then I stumbled on this thin little book that yep. says Julia Alvarez poems on the mm. on the binding. And I said, young adult nonfiction poetry. Yeah. I don't. That's kind of like a lot of things at once. <laughs> we <And> haven't done. <laughs> I'm just die. Yeah, we've done basically none of it except for like arguably young adult. And uh, yeah, I, we had to. We had to do this uh, just to yeah. just to bend ourselves to the whims of genre. Uh, and I am just so glad we did. Uh, so maybe to lead off with before we even get into like the book itself, what's your background with? poetry ej yeah so that's a really good question um i uh did not graduate from college everybody (laughs) should know that i went to college for like six years and somehow left without a degree (laughs) i just paid a lot of money to several different institutions Mm -hmm. Uh and let them know that they can have it and i will (laughs) it's not for me but here's the cash right i will not i do not want the paper i just want you (laughs) to have the money. Uh-huh. And so I did that. Um, and then, uh, during that time of, uh, uh, what would you say? A foyer into the adventures of, of EJ's younger uh-huh. self. Um, I, I took a lot of literature classes, a lot of literature classes, cool. something that was kind of adjacent to all of the many different majors that I went through whenever I was in college. Mm-hmm. Um, and I finally landed on broadcast journalism, which was something I really loved, but did not have enough money to continue Finish. after yeah, six sure. years of college. <laughs> right. So, uh, but I did take a lot of, uh, women's lit classes. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you would, you would read things like Raisin in the sun, uh-huh. um, uh, all sorts of, I mean, just all sorts of the color purple. I mean, I've, uh, yeah. any, any women's literature, I, I took a lot of poetry classes as well, um, but just you know, writing classes, literature classes. Yeah. So I have I have some knowledge of what <laughs> you know, what kind of style that Julia writes in in this. Um, yeah, you know what sort of what she's sort of going for the themes, everything that's going on in this. 
really beautiful right. kind of touching book uh, that is like, it, it's kind of, it's funny because you and me were joking whenever we um, were about, you know, early in this book, yeah. we were joking about how it's just like, your aunt that yeah. is just like it was just like I gotta tell you about life. Yeah, yeah. You know? Smokes a cigarette and blows the smoke <laughs> in your face and is like, right, "That's what right. it's like being forty and divorced." Okay, <laughs> <laughs> this, this book goes hard. Uh, right. And yeah, th- for me, uh, my background with poetry is very uh, scant, very light. I, 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 I think I even rejected poetry for a long time, which is funny because oh, wow. there's like a poem in here that like. Julia sort of addresses that of like, you know, poetry never did anything for anybody. And then she sort of turns that around. But any, but, but before we get into that, like for me, I, I shied away from poetry. I wasn't very good at studying it like in high school. And I uh, had like a creative writing minor for all that meant. Uh, and it, but it was like with script writing, not with, um, you know, the narrative and literature works or whatever. Um, so yeah, I just, I never like really gained a grasp of poetry. I don't know very much about the various forms and, and meters and technical stuff about poetry that all of that stuff escapes me. So when, when I came into this book, it was Mm -hmm. just like, I read most of these poems with, with no, uh, seeking of structure. I just, I just sort of read them and especially like, you know, it's it she brings up Emily Dickinson all the time and and when oh. I read Emily Dickinson, the line breaks and the uses of dashes and stuff, all of that continues to this day to escape me. Although uh Julia Alvarez opened my heart up a lot in this one and I I believe I'm beginning my my freshman studies of poetry. I'm ready to go on to the next thing. I think uh in that way, that is something that makes this a beautiful young adult book of poetry is i think it's easier to grasp poems of what they're really doing and is like a nice kind of threshold to invite people into poetry i that's what i felt from it even myself as a 33 year old man so i imagine perhaps a 16 year old girl would also uh really feel invited into poetry and you know she she talks really really uh fondly of specifically Emily Dickinson and Walt Whitman like sort of constantly throughout mm-hmm. this thing and even that is sort of like an inviting you in like you're hey, maybe you like this here's two of my favorites i've brought them up numerous times go check them out next and she like gives you like a reading list basically of poetry to try out next um and i feel like and i i'm not certain i do believe that this entire um book is three stanzas about what is it about eight to ten lines a yeah. stanza um and they are i think in all iambic pentameter maybe just some sort of pentameter yeah um but uh you know they're all ten syllables essentially every line is ten syllables uh which is something to notice about this so if you are looking at the structure of this that is how every poem is written which wow in itself yeah. is very impressive it's a lot of poems i mean it's like i mean uh, it's it's, just to just to write in the you have to understand when you put yourself under that kind of constraint as a poet right it's 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 very hard and and she mentions this yeah she talks about it in the book she talks about how how finding the right words is very tough you know i think in why i write which is one i think we might be reading right she she talks about how it's like how at the end of the day, like when she gets it right, it's the best feeling mm-hmm. in the world. Like mm-hmm. when she nails it, when she finally feels like she is, she has expressed what she wants to express in yeah. any poem. Um, just the, the feeling of just 
how overcome of what joy she is because she is a poet at heart. She yeah. is an artist at heart. And, and it is, it is a, a very, I mean, this is a very rigorous, I feel like task writing what 78 ish poems. Yeah. Something um, like that. 75 to 78 poems and, and, and to make them connect in this, this story, the way she tells this yeah. story. And then also it be in this very demanding meter is, I, right. I think it's, I mean, some of the best I've, I've read. And yeah. so, uh, yeah, very, very excited. To talk about, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, so, so in these. that respect to you, you feel that, and I feel like that's something my sort of heart is opening up to in poetry is mm-hmm. the idea of actively choosing to not write things down in the easiest way possible right. and to mince words, you know, poetry yes. is about like, nope, get, get into the details, which is why, then, I mean, this book is, you know, it's a quick read despite being like 150, 160 pages. I mean, it's it's just, you know, much quicker than that poems. But I think the best thing about sort of the whole collection is it, it essentially reads like an autobiography of her life, but in dreams and yes. glimpses and yes. shadows of memories where mm-hmm. each poem feels so holistically its own and it feels like its yeah. own you finish a poem and you're like oh yeah okay uh, that yeah. was a whole experience let's do another one and <laughs> let's do it 70 <laughs> more times and like you feel the weight of this entire book by the end it feels like a right. massive epic novel about a woman's entire life where it's like i don't know you know the word count is probably less than timmy failure or something yeah it's it, you know it's it's not it's not so gritty to where you feel bogged down by it, um, mm. but at the same time, it's not so light to where you feel like you are breezing through. Right, right. Yeah. Like she she does such a good job. Like there are some really you know interesting classical poets um, who who achieve this as well. Like Yeats, she mm-hmm. mentions Yeats. Yeah, uh, does a good job of this. Um, uh, John Dunn is another who does a really good job of just like, I, I don't feel the weight of their poems mm-hmm. in the same way. Like, I don't feel like I am, I am trying to slog through yeah. what they're trying to say, but at the same time, there's a, there's a heaviness to it's it at impact. the same time. Yeah. yeah. There's an impact in using simplicity that right. they, that they can all convey. Um, and Julia Alvarez, you can tell she's very studied and, yeah. Uh, it's just, it's just a really good piece of art yeah. that she's written. She plays around a lot in it too. Um, there is, there, there's some, some of my favorite poems are definitely like the most simple, even in just the idea they're trying to express. I like, I like simple language. I like kind of cutting to the chase, even in poetry. Um, I think one of the ones you messaged me about was like canons. Canons is the best poem. <laughs> I, I read canons and honestly it escaped me a little bit. Like even it was a yeah. bit, a bit over my head as someone with like no knowledge. So I, I would love to hear you talk about that one to, to kind of get into this idea. I, I could read it real quick for everyone. And then maybe yeah, EJ, you can tell me like what it, like what it means to you. And I think we're going to do this with a few poems. Uh, but, but canons was one. I was like, once I saw it, I was like, uh Oh, EJ told me this one. And then I read it. I was like, uh oh, I'm stupid. I don't know. I don't even know what <laughs> no. just happened. No, no, no. It's no. okay. Stu- stupidity <laughs> is something I'll lean into. But here, here's canons. Uh, yeah. 
Preparing for the Pico Duarte climb with only one half of a packing mule allotted to personal belongings, I had to choose between Bishop and Frost. Frost would be the perfect for the dialogue I planned to have with nature, but Bishop? Bishop was addressing a similar landscape in her Brazil poems. I weighed back and forth, considering leaving a second pair of hiking shoots or my long underwear. Finally, I hate to say it, but I chose solely in terms of weight. The paperback frost was lighter, smaller than Bishop, and would fit in my jacket pocket if the mule got tired and had to be relieved. This choice led me to think of how canons are formed, how books are chosen as the texts to be carried down the generations. Why pound and not HD? And why, oh why, sir, so-and-so, and not more Sor Juana? I'd like to think the basis for the choice was on some better principle than mine, but who knows? Especially when I peruse my old Norton anthologies and note the shameful absence of certain voices, I wonder if they never existed, or if they were knocked out of the running for some silliness like the writer's sex. Perhaps those who selected were like me, who let an ass choose my mountain cannon. That's it. I mean, <laughs> there's not, I, I don't, what I love about this poem um, is I just, I love the idea that maybe we have what we have throughout history. Like maybe we only have the Bible because somebody chose to keep the Bible. Around. Yeah, yeah. That's you know true. what I'm saying? Right. Like maybe we only have anthologies because like, and, and it could be for like these really specific reasons. Like maybe like think about a city in Europe during uh -huh. the dark ages mm -hmm. and it's just burning to the ground. Right. And all you can do is save as many books as you can. Right. Not necessarily the best ones. Right. Right. And there's only one copy of these things. Right. Yeah, yeah. Like right. There's, we're right. at a time in history when there's not multiple copies, there's not publishing. Yeah. It doesn't happen. So at what point like, does somebody, you know, for their lives just say, Grabbing 15 books is better than grabbing the best book because right. grabbing the best book would mean leaving, you know, five behind or yeah, whatever. Yeah, right? Yeah. right. So I, I, I really love the idea that she just comes to this decision. She's just like, yeah, so I got to take, I got to take Robert Frost up the mountain. I got to make whatever. this practical decision right. <laughs> that now is going to weigh on the entire spiritual experience experience exactly. i'm after well yeah. and, and compare that it's metatextual right it goes crazy because this book is a canon a canon is a, a a literary canon is a collection of materials that are considered to represent a specific period or genre this is julia alvarez's canon of poems on the woman she kept to herself, the the hidden woman of her life throughout time as a as a young girl into an older woman, all of these things. Uh, and and th so this is a collection, but these are the poems she chose to include in this collection, right? This is what was expressed to us. She's written many, many other poems, but this was the list of poems we were provided to convey the ideas within and it could have been any number of other poems i don't know it like it right. it freaks me out the weight of it <laughs> yeah so canons is the best poem in this book <laughs> in my opinion i i don't know i just i i really i i think it just dives into those yeah. guys ideas i mean it seriously just made me think i was like 
do we do we literally have to put up with yeah, <laughs> so yeah. many different works of literature right. just because like somebody couldn't pack it yeah. in their mule? Well, like, and that's that's what I think turned me off of poetry. Like in high school, is right. I never liked William Butler Yeats. Okay, I'll say it. I I didn't yeah, like whatever. him. She even brings up while you are young or whatever it's called. When I don't remember what the poem is called, but it's like the most famous Yeats poem, and mm -hmm. I never clicked with it and in fact one time in high school we made like a little short film where the entire joke of the short film was it was right. uh it was like an npr radio show of this guy obsessed with literature it was called the everlasting literature hour and we made him this really pretentious annoying guy and all he did was read yates and he read that poem specifically like in the in the short film we made that's like how much i mocked <laughs> that's funny this yeah. stuff it's still funny. right <laughs> but I, I to me um this book opened my mind up to what that poem is expressing which is just like i'm just take i'm just giving you a snippet I think I always thought of poems as sort of egocentric and uh, pompous, right? They have this attitude of like, I've perfected this thing. Whereas I think Julia gives off this idea of, I worked really hard on the words, but this is only to just try to convey like a single thought <laughs> that I'm trying yeah. to, to put across or whatever. It's not, there isn't any ego to it at all. It's right. just, I just am trying to express an idea as best I can. Well, and then when she involves ego, right? Because yeah. because yeah, yeah. she does do she does do that <laughs> eventually. For sure, right? for sure. There's there's the poems at the very beginning um, with the seven trees yeah. um, poems, um, which are very kind of intimate, like a really quick jaunt through her life, yes, right? Like right. very much, you know, like Cambridge, nineteen seventy eight uh -huh, kind of uh -huh. stuff, you know, and and jumping around through the you know chronological order of these these poems that define uh, you know certain parts of her life. Uh, yeah. and maybe are most important to her uh, to include. Um, but yeah, I think that when she does include ego, um, it hits harder because she's not doing it in every single poem, right? Yeah, like Canons definitely. is just this, like you said, this singular thought um, that just kind of like at the end of it, you know, it's just like whatever. I'm still bringing, right. <laughs> I'm still bringing frost up the mountain. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah. Of course. <laughs> like yeah. I, whether or not it affects my experience, like it's a lighter book, whatever. Right, right. Well. <laughs> like, Let's dip into the idea then, because I mean, this is just dads reading books. We talk about mm -hmm. young, like, let's talk just about the young adult. This week. This, today is GDRP. just dads reading poetry, and like the the notion of who this is for, because like we said earlier, this this whole book comes off as like a a fifty year old woman talking to her niece mm -hmm. um, about life, and and is the niece listening? to her or is this just like whoa okay sounds like you've got some baggage or whatever like this is like an autobiography this woman's writing and it's hard to know if a young reader would like click with this um i think there's some poems where that idea is is almost put on on its face which is to, to say like i think there's times where she's using her own memory of like her teenage years and what she wished she could have had experienced in her teenagers, especially like with her relationship with writing and everything. And so I think to like a voracious reader, right? A kid who's just obsessed with reading already, this stuff mm -hmm. would click. But with just like yeah. your average person, I'm sure they oh, would have yeah. my kind of reaction to it, which is just I like, don't I don't know, poetry, right? I don't know, but you, but you are kind of an average person I am. in terms of poetry, right? right. And 
but it kind of clicked with you, right. right? It's true. It's true. And and I think some of the ideas that best sell that are there are plenty of normie <laughs> poems in here. Yes. Poems from normies. So let's let's talk about another one because one of our both of our favorites is just this love poem. Just a, it's called My yeah, Bottom Line, and this is one where when I read it, I went, "That's the one for." A younger reader she is just expressing love and yeah. a young reader could read that and be like ah that's love i want mm. to experience i want to know love on that level and, and i think it's some of these things are like you know how when you uh slowly age and you kind of realize like i would rather take stock of um of simple things than my sort of grandeur of yeah. the romantics i think this poem and i'll read it here in a second I think this conveys that in a way that is hopefully understandable to even someone who is still young and still a romantic because it kind of captures both. So I'll read it real quick and then we can kind of talk more about that idea. Yeah. My bottom line. I'm going to read this to you, EJ. This is my, oh, uh, this you. is to you. This is to my friend, EJ. Okay, hold on. <laughs> let me prepare myself. You are the bottom line, my love. The net that catches me each time I take a leap toward an absolute that isn't there, but appears dispersed in the relative. Warm supper waiting when I get in late, my folded long johns on the laundry stack. The covers on my side turn, down, turn sweetly down when finally I head upstairs from work that couldn't wait till morning. The love note tucked in my suitcase for my night away. It says the obvious, the old cliches I wouldn't want my friends to know we use for love. And God forbid my enemies should get a hold of these endearments. So banal, I would lose my reader's trust if someone published them under my name. But still, as I write mine with a smiley face and slip it under the pillow on your side, or when I read yours in a hotel room, I feel more moved than by a Rilke poem or a Tolstoy novel or a Shakespeare play. My love grows stronger with the tried and true if it comes from you. More and more as we age and the golden boys peer out of magazines with their sultry looks and their arched brows, I'm so relieved I'm not in ingenue searching for you at parties, singles bars. I have you, waving when my plane gets in, curling your body in the shape of mine, my love, my number one, my bottom line. God, it's so good. <laughs> that is the greatest love story that's ever it's been told. So and good. she's, a, this is like her divorced husband. Like, yeah, I, I, I yeah. think, I don't know. I don't know. No, what, no, no. She was I divorced, think so. I think, a couple times. And I don't yeah, know if maybe. she, you know, uh, died knows? married or, or what. But like, this was a love she had and experienced. Yeah. And you get to feel it. And I don't know. I think a, I think a 15-year-old anybody would hopefully feel that right they especially maybe especially 15 year olds right how how many cliche love notes were you sort of obsessed with in your most romantic time oh yeah oh <laughs> you know me like i i was listening to all the music it was all sappy sad songs all about and, love yeah, and right. sad songs yeah absolutely <laughs> but this is so this is such a uh, you know it's it's not necessarily the freshest take but it's right um, you know, it's, it's a different take. It's, it's nice to, to hear, you know, she even, I love how she even throws in her love for like Tolstoy yeah, and yeah. like, you know, just as a comparison and it's really cool for the overarching plot of this book, yes, right? If there's a, right. A, a running theme, it's just really nice to see that that's how much that means to her too. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, to, to, to compare the, to a summer's day, right. To compare <laughs> the, to my loves, which are, which is poetry, which is writing, which is yeah. literature. 
um, you know, to be able to compare something that you love so much to the things that you love as well. Right. Uh, and that's what she's doing here. Right. Um, and, uh, and then it just ends so strong. Yeah. The, the, my bottom line line is yeah. so, that so feels... does tone come right after this? Uh, quick question. Cause tone is another one. And I don't want you to read tone cause tone is not one we both had. Um, yeah. but I'll, yeah. It's a few. It's like four after. Yeah, there's there's a yeah, series yeah, a of tone. love. It's all well. It's my bottom line, and then it's like fights. Like they, there's like parts yep. about arguing, yep. and yeah, there there's a whole. It, you go through well, the phases. You feel this this peak of love, and then it like dips down after and and expresses the other side of all of that. Right. Well, that's why I love tone because tone is about essentially hearing somebody downstairs, yeah. and hearing her husband's voice on the phone, and just like just by like just by him opening his mouth and the vibrations that she yeah. can hear up the stairs she can tell what mood he's in yeah who he's talking just like, to even like and, specifically. and who he's talking yeah. to yeah. and like yeah it's just such a so those two poems together really uh i put them down next to each other on my list here right. because they just really convey um you know things that that you take for granted maybe um yeah. you know from day to day just hearing your your significant other in the other room or somebody that you love in the other room and just knowing yeah. without like having to, without having to hear what they're saying or what the context of the situation right. is, just knowing what's going on yeah. and how they're feeling. And I love think that. that's an incredible, yeah, incredible way to convey that. So definitely. Definitely. Uh, another one. I, we just literally have a list at this point. We are just <laughs> reading EJ's and my favorite poems, but I think yeah. they help convey to, to the listener right now, like what, just like the arcs that this goes through. So another thing is sure. um, she does a lot of tackling. She's from the Dominican Republic and uh, she talks a lot about uh, things about her culture and coming to America. She also talks a lot about Christianity uh, yeah. as well as other like as her life went on learning about Buddhism and, and, and lots of stuff like that. But yeah. one of the best ones uh, to me was a sort of specific investigation of of Christianity and EJ and I both grew up in the South. Uh, the, the Christianity's all oh, around us. <laughs> yeah. And I think this one, we both wrote it down because it just, yep. it just speaks to our lived experience. Uh, so, so perfectly. So here's yes. why don't we ever see Jesus laughing? Why don't we ever see Jesus laughing or cracking a joke or telling a tall tale that makes us glum disciples hold their sides. Seldom are they shown smiling if at all, it's Judas with the twisted mouth. That's how in famous paintings you can pick him out. But Jesus, do we ever see him break into delighted chuckles the first time he works a miracle and wine pours out from water pots, saving the wedding day? Nobody ever laughs in the Bible, except for the pregnant Sarah's belly laugh or Yahweh's ha of the know-it-all in Job. Probably God smiled on the seventh day, looking down at creation, calling it good. Let's hope. But it's his son I want to see in stitches, infused with the Holy Spirit of the ridiculous, a God made flesh and full of nonsense, guffawing at the thought that he is briefly dust and knows he's dust, but also immortal. Maybe he smiled at virgins toweling his feet with their hair or fumbling, fumbling Pharisees, but I want much more. If I were doubting Thomas, I would ask to hear him laugh. Who cares about his wounds, loaves and fishes multiplying like rabbits, lepers with creamy skin, the lame leaping, the blind seeing, Lazarus rising up as if death were a nap? Good news galore. I might believe him if he smiled more. <laughs> it's just that 
<laughs> it's just such a good point. It's just a good point. Yeah. That's all. Um, it's, it's something that I never thought, but the second yeah. she said it, I went, yeah, that's yeah. why, isn't it? That's sort of the whole, that kind you, of gets at the whole issue I have, you maybe. Would think, you would think that somebody who is as charismatic as Christ the Lord Jesus would also be funny. Like, <laughs> right. Right? Like, right. I mean, like, think of the people with the most charisma that you know. Like, yeah. just like people who just exude confidence and, and charisma. And are any of them not funny right you know (laughs) right yeah are any of them at any given time not laughing at themselves yeah isn't it a critical nature of someone that has followers to be Mm -hmm. charismatic like you're saying to be to be to bring levity right like that's why that's what makes them charismatic what people want to follow you whenever you whenever you show that it's just like you just have a lot of your chill yeah you have a lot of levity right you know that this is one big joke you know that you're dust and you know, yeah, and you, you know, know that there's nothing like there's, you know, it. at the end of the day, like, you know, you're going to be born, you're going to die. And there's really not, right. you know, there's just like, what are you going to do in between that? Right. Yeah. Like, are you going to be so self-serious as Christ the Lord that you're not going to, <laughs> that you're not going to, you know, yeah. have some fun, you know? And obviously, obviously when I thought on this poem and the reason I wrote it down is because I did want to, I did want to kind of throw a little shade at it because I think it is a little unfair. There are definitely a lot of depictions of Jesus, and even in the Bible, there are some levi- you know some yeah, situations sure. of levity. Well, and uh, and I think I think Jesus, even so. you know devout Christians can take this poem and understand right. her meaning with it, which is yeah. just to say, like, yeah, there's there's always <laughs> like, more room you for levity. The, I think the thing that I want to take from it is why aren't Christians who follow mm-hmm. the you know who follow Jesus? Yeah. Why don't they depict more of that right. versus all of this very somber stuff? Yeah, yeah. Why isn't you know? that their favorite stuff to right. show off? Like, why yeah. isn't why aren't we showing off like him yeah. feeding people more? Yeah, know? sure, like, or, right, right. Or yeah. like all you know those scenes where he is kind of you know he is bringing joy to the world, right? Yeah. Like the those sorts of things. Right. So yeah, it is kind of the whole problem yeah. with 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 it, but. It's a good poem. Yeah, um, well, and it, it's just, it's nice that it's there to, again, this is an autobiography. It's not like you're meant to definitely relate to this. I think yeah. I think a Christian can, like I said, read this poem and still understand like where she's coming from. And it's about her lived experience. And I think that gets echoed, especially in a lot of the things where she talks about uh, language, uh, because oh, she yeah. her, her native language is Spanish. Um, oh, and... There are so many great moments. Sometimes they're just snuck into a poem about something yeah. completely different. And she's just like, but also don't forget that like sometimes my brain thinks of things in Spanish and let's let, you know, I want to make it about that. And there's, there's a series of two poems. I won't read both of them, but you should know, like from a structure standpoint, this book is amazing. Like it, it yeah. takes you through motions and it gets you into, you spend, highs and lows. you spend yeah. six or seven poems kind of all within one ideal and it perfectly transitions into the next thing she wants to express this book crushes like a fiction book yeah yeah but is like nonfiction, <laughs> right right, right. like it, and it's, these and are it's all like staccato poems right. like it's just a new thing but it's like i still yeah. feel like i'm going through sort of an arc of things mm-hmm. so one of those is there, there's a poem called in spanish and she talks about sort of how she she generally likes a phrase in Spanish more, or at least the way certain yeah. ideas are conveyed. And I think this is true of anyone who goes through like a, a, a diaspora, right? Someone who comes right. to 
America or a Western, uh, a Westernized English-speaking country from anywhere else, they right. a, a, a struggle you see is I can't convey ideas I want to convey. I, I think about this all the time. In um, you know, I have a I have a video game podcast, and and sometimes you hear about really like bad Japanese translations, and so often it's <laughs> yeah. it's because well, a you're limited to how much text you're allowed to put on the screen, and that's because Japanese in a single character can convey so much more meaning than you can in English. So you you are you know you you have a badly translated game from Japanese, and it feels like it's written like a not very good children's novel, and it's because they're trying to condense way too much <laughs> from what why, the original text was. It's why Hollow Knight speedrunners play in Chinese. <laughs> Sure, <laughs> because so, the dialogue boxes are too long. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so, English. so the idea to in Spanish is is essentially conveying that. And what's beautiful about the structure of this book is, you you read that, and I don't know. I, I I wonder if you had the same exact feeling I did, EJ, where I finished that one and I went, "Hey, I get that." And yeah, I understand then, a desire for like other languages to sort of dog on tell the twist. dog on English, and I get it. <laughs> English is sort of a very legal language i think sometimes that's how i think of it is it's it is very often like what is what is it's, like what legal texts and legal precedents are sort right. of based in or whatever it just feels like a dry nasty yeah. language that we all get to dog on and that's fair and you should but yeah. you leave the poem thinking that and then she immediately follows up with hey listen i think english can be beautiful too and, and that's great that's where you comes in so let's read you and so just good. so everyone knows, again, she spends a lot more time like talking about the flourishes of Spanish. And it's just, this is a fun one to read where she gets to is take this one moment. One? Is this my favorite one? No, no. Yeah. But I do like okay. this one a lot. This one's cool. Uh, you. I love how English has a single you. No tú, no usted, no trying to figure out where strangers rank in the hierarchy of my respect. Are you a formal or familiar you? No asking permission or apologizing if I get it wrong. I love the true democracy of you. The pampered son of the dot-com millionaire or the coal miner's daughter. All are you. United in one no-nonsense pronoun. Comforting when I write because it means I'm leaving no one out. Even a line intended for an intimate includes you, and also you. In this, my Noah's Ark, everyone is invited and can board in twos or threes or singly, those unborn as well as ghostly antipasados who used to be usted are now dust. At sea in mystery, we all become human cargo down the generations. Once you get used to you, all faces seem to hold the face you love. Each child could be the one you never had. Each girl, the girl you used to be or who your mother was. You is inclusive, like that Beatle ad where linebackers kept piling into the car. I forget what the <laughs> point was, but I'd watch and understand their yearning to be one. Just as I once climbed into a second tongue and it made room for me in its pronouns. You know what's the best about <laughs> this poem so obviously i love the kind of the jab at the end with the pronouns is, yeah yeah it's sure. great this, well, was this written is 2004. 2003 yeah right, 2003 so, or maybe right, right, who right. knows when this poem was written but right. yeah julie's so, way ahead of the curve on right. sort of She's modern ahead of the sensibilities curve. yeah mm -hmm. but i but i also love i also love that this gets called back in a poem that we're not going to be reading today but reading for pleasure oh yeah yeah um at the end of reading for pleasure, she has a line essentially that's 
that that uh breaks the fourth wall uh-huh. and it's just like come come let you know come here you you yeah. know like very and she and she calls back this yes. this poem because she's talking so about she loves when writers talk break the fourth wall talk and talk to, you. to me yeah. the reader but right. she's also saying to, and now to I'm talking you, to you is who is anyone but is you right. but isn't but is but isn't it's but you, is <laughs> but it isn't doesn't have to be right. right yeah yeah she does she does a lot of that in that poem and i just think that that's that callback made you worth it like yeah. the, this made this poem Definitely. worth it yeah um so so yeah very very good poem not much else to say about well it I, the, the only other thing i will say is something i love is it, it also captures that sense i was saying beforehand where different languages can change your perception of society of of things right so the section where she's talking about you know getting used to you meant everybody was a you i did not i did not have to think about usted or two or any of that i i everyone became equal as my brain adapted to a new language and i think that's true of all languages i've always been a person who's really bad at learning new languages but boy i respect the heck out of not just like learning the memorization of a new language but learning sort of how the entire culture behind the language composes itself and structures itself because of the structure of the language right there's there's that that same idea is brought up uh i'm again i'm going to bring up japanese because i watch like youtubers that talk about japanese video games and stuff and like one of the ideas is you can get like a lot of different they're not even really pronouns in japanese i do not know what they call this this is of course referring to a video about boku no natsuyasumi which is a video (laughs) game and everybody knows it's a very popular video but boku he talks about in that Mm -hmm. boku is a sort of a way to refer to a small boy and there's eventually a point in your life where you upgrade from boku and you are no longer a boku you get like a new word to sort of describe yourself but you sort of choose the moment you want to become that, right? The moment you right. become a preteen and become a teenager and become an adolescent and become an adult become or whatever. Something else. You, and and those ideas, I just think that's beautiful when, when you can express those sorts of things. So I thought this was a, a wonderful, for me, sort of memory of, of those kinds of ideals. Okay. We have one more. We're, we're today's yeah. going long because we just want to read all these, but we whatever, have to. It, whatever. We, this we, is so good. This is so good and we must read this last one because this might be my favorite one yeah, out of the entire is, mix. This is, I, if I had to rank them real quick, if I yeah. had to rank them, I'd go Canon's Why I Write, uh, You, and then like Tone. The rest or whatever, yeah. Yeah, the rest. Why so I yeah, Write. Those are the three. Is, is right there towards the end. It's like, it's among the last, what, three poems? It's, yeah, it's, it is, basically, it's basically the climax of this It's book. the second to last poem. It is the penultimate poem. Uh, it's after you've gained all of these things. She's talked so much about her life. She's talked so much about writing and about poetry and about right. what getting words right means to her. And, and basically, she capstones it off with why I write. Unless I write things down, I never know what I think, no less feel, about the world. I found out first in print that I prefer white wine to red, the blues to rock, the winter's terseness to the spring's green gab, conclusions reached in short stories or poems. Once I, a vegetarian, tried red meat because a recently divorced woman on a blind date in a poem I was writing ordered a well-done steak which turned out raw and bled when she cut into it, a taste I had to taste in order to describe it. I'm not kidding. Unless I write things down, I don't know what I want. 
Long lists of pros and cons on a bedside pad. Love letters, how else can I be certain I'm in love? Thank yous for gifts I never thought I'd use until I jotted down my gratitude. That, sorry, that line gets fixed. <laughs> Rhetorical addresses to a god who only answers when I write him down. As far as I'm concerned, the world's a blur, which each word in a sentence focuses, as if I were fine-tuning the lenses of my binoculars from bird to thrush to Bicknell's thrush singing in the maple for a lack of pen and paper this spring day. In short, I don't know I'm alive unless I'm writing, as I'll only be convinced when I am scribbled on some stony epitaph that I am gone, and the rest is silence. EJ, you know there's what? no better summation of what you and I are doing right yeah. here, <laughs> right yeah. now. You well, and I started this show yeah. because we wanted to read this stuff, and then we like talking about it with each other because it <laughs> helps us come to an understanding of what right. we just read and what we just did. This is yours and my writing of these this things why, down. I don't really write, but but this is why we <laughs> podcast. Why I podcast is right. to better express to my own self what I think or why I feel a way about right. a it's, thing. Yeah, it's it's just not about other people, right? When yeah. you start doing a project, you can't make it about the reception. Mm -hmm. You can't make it about... It's kind of like folks, we t and I've talked with... You know, I've talked in intimate communities about this before, including my friend group, just about like relationships mm -hmm. and just in general, how people are just unhappy when they depend on somebody else to be happy. Oh right? yeah, sure. You know, that the dependence, yeah. um, that, that latching on that kind of leech like quality of wanting, and I, I tell, I'll tell you right now, I know from experience <laughs> that, that. I was at my unhappiest whenever I thought that I needed yeah. something else or somebody else to make me happy to, right. or I needed to make somebody else happy in mm -hmm. order to be happy. Mm -hmm. um, and that's just not the case. Right. It is just not the case. And, and the longer it takes to get to that conclusion, right? Like, and, and it sucks as somebody who's in that spot to feel like, People are telling you that because when you are in that spot, I can tell you now there's nothing worse than somebody sure. telling you that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Just being like, be happy by yourself. Thanks. That's but, not helpful at all. Once you, <laughs> right. But once you clear the threshold yeah. and once you are happy alone and once you are happy with what you're doing and once you can write down your thoughts for your own pleasure yeah. and once you can podcast for your own pleasure <laughs> or do whatever you want yeah. for yourself then then at the end of the day you've made yourself happy yep. and if you were doing it for somebody else's love or for somebody else's praise then you were never doing it for yourself yep. and you were never doing it for the right reason and that's that's it that's it go read this book okay that just go read this book good night everybody i love you <laughs> <laughs>